0: Yeah, we coming now. Come on. That's
1: right. We brought it down. It's like a family in here. Just a little disabled. Putting it down. We lay them out on the table. Who's in the house? What is up, my dudes? What is up, my dudettes? It's the Casey's Corner Podcast broadcasting live today. I'm recording this on Tuesday evening going to be releasing this at the uh, strike of midnight on Wednesday morning. Uh, We've got a jam-packed show coming your way. So excited. So, so excited. We've got so much coming your way here in the next hour and a half, two hours, however long it takes. Um, We're going to do a sports segment to lead off this show. I've got a beef with Dick Vitale. Dick Vitale replied to one of my comments on my Twitter page. We're going to talk bad about Dick Vitale in just a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. We're going to talk about Cam Newton going to the Patriots. We're going to brag because our PGA Tour picks from last week all were in the top 11, and two of them were in the top six. We're going to talk about AEW Fighter Fest. We're going to unveil a new segment to this show, the Sports Betting Blitz, where we're going to give over and under pick lines for our college football and pro football teams And oh yeah, we're going to have LaFouche School Superintendent Jared Martin. I get messaged more by worried parents than any other piece of the population. Uh, People want to know what school's going to look like. I understand the concern. I understand the caution. I understand the worry. I understand the anxiety. Um, But we have Mr. Jared Martin on. That's a pre-recorded interview. He gave us the low and the skinny of LaFouche Parish's reopening plan for schools. Um and and wow. Uh you know, first and foremost, thanks to Mr. Martin. But second, wow, the plan is so thorough, so detailed. They thought of everything. Um, your child is going to be in good hands. And I think that after you listen to that interview with Mr. Martin, you're going to agree, your child is going to be in good hands. We also have professional boxer Rance Ward, who's going to be joining us on the show. Um, God bless him. We feel so terrible for Rance. He was supposed to be fighting. On an ESPN show tonight, uh, tonight being Tuesday, uh, but got to Las Vegas, tested positive for COVID-19. We spoke to Rance just a minute ago. He's doing okay. He feels fine. He's eager to get back into the ring. We thank him so much for you know spending the time with us. Uh, I know that it's a tough time. He wanted to be in that ring so bad. And we thank him for being a good sport and, uh, taking the time out to hang out with us and give us a rundown of some things he's going to be doing. So we have Ranch Ward on as well. Uh, but just a loaded show today. So, uh, put on your seatbelts and, uh, you know, as we always say, pour, uh, your favorite beverage, uh, and we're going to spend some time together and pass a good time together here in the next, however long it takes us to get done. Um, I, I told you that I was going to rant on Dick Vitale to lead off today's show, so that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, for now, close to the 10th time, uh, look, since the Will Wade conversation leaked and you know the, the strong offer and all the different things that were going on with Will Wade, since all of that leaked, Dick Vitale has been on a crusade to embarrass LSU basketball at every turn. Uh, He has tweeted about LSU basketball what feels like 10 times, probably even more. Oh, it's embarrassing, baby. Yo, the coach is embarrassing the university, baby. Um, The only person that's embarrassing himself is Dick Vitale in this situation because of the inconsistencies. Um, You can't pick and choose and be holier than thou and say, you know, this is embarrassing, Will Wade should be fired, LSU should be ashamed of itself, but then give a pass to your buddies. Because here's the thing about Dick Vitale, is he's a hypocrite. He is a hypocrite. Whenever it's Duke that's in trouble, or whenever it's a Rick Patino coach team that's in trouble, two of his personal favorites, Coach K and Coach Patino, he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. You hear crickets, you don't get any response out of him. But when it's the young guard, a young coach like Will Wade or a young coach like Sean Miller, then, oh, it's embarrassing, baby. They've got to be removed. They're embarrassing the sport. They're embarrassing their school. No, man, that's not the way this works. Look, I am all for cleaning up the sport as long as everyone's cleaning up the sport and everyone is following the same rules. Because right now, um, I, and look, I'm a North Carolina fan, and I could tell you that what North Carolina got away with with their academic scandal was despicable that there's no way that they shouldn't have gotten um, greater sanctions than what they did. Everyone is cheating in college athletics right now. So until you set some sort of restrictions or you set some sort of, you know, um, procedure in place to where you're going to enforce the rules for everybody, you can't pick and choose. Did LSU do something wrong? I'm an LSU grad. I'm an LSU fan. Yeah, they probably did. They probably broke the rules. Did Will Wade buy off players? Yeah, they probably did. But there's overwhelming evidence now that supports that Zion Williamson was bought to go to Duke. There's overwhelming evidence that supports that Kansas is buying players. There's overwhelming evidence that supports that Arizona was buying players. Everyone is doing this. So for Dick Vitale to go in this personal crusade time and time again, oh, and then the timing of it all, this is now the second time that a five-star player is making his announcement on which school he's going to go to and LSU's a finalist and the second time that out of the woodwork Dick Vitale comes out and promises that there will be sanctions against LSU almost in an effort to try to steer that player from LSU he did it earlier this summer said that sanctions were coming in June it's June 30th the sanctions still aren't here that was a bold-faced lie Now he's doing it again with another prospect set to make his decision, saying that sanctions are coming in late July or early August. Um, It's a mess, man. Uh, It's a mess. And he knows better, but he's he's just choosing to go on this vendetta and expecting and getting angry on social media, getting angry with me and other people on social media who are calling him out on it. Uh, that's not the way this mer- this works, man. You can't just stand up here and publicly say whatever you want to say and expect us all to bow down before that. That's not the way social media works. If you're going to go on a platform and a crusade against one school, then you've got to be willing to accept the fact that you've been blowing this horse, and blowing, this horse uh, blowing this horn and crying wolf now for more than a year, and nothing has come of it. Nothing has come of it, and it makes you look bad, and we're not going to believe you anymore when you continue to cry wolf, and nothing continues to happen. So that's where we stand right now. He replied to one of my tweets, uh, talking about you know how it's it's deplorable and how everybody's gonna apologize to him at the end of the day. No, no, nah, man. Whether right or wrong, at this point he's just guessing because he's been calling this now for more than a year. Um, and even if it, it goes the way that he says it's going to go, if he were truly connected, he would have better information than that. He's just guessing. It's a coin toss. He it may be right, may be wrong, whatever it may be. But. Talk about Duke a little more. Talk about Coach K a little more. Talk about Kansas a little more. Get the get the your eyeballs off of LSU, man. That's become become such an ugly obsession, and fans here in Baton Rouge are tired of it. They're 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 dead tired of it. We don't want to hear about it anymore. And don't get upset when we call you out. I want it on social media because it's going to continue to happen. Speaking of basketball, the New Orleans Pelicans have announced that three players have tested positive for COVID nineteen. General Manager David Griffin did not specify what players were going to be held in quarantine to get back with the team. The players must test negative for two consecutive days. Um, I, you know, kudos to the Pelicans for being transparent. Um, this is just the reality of the life in which we live. Um, I, I, I giggle, and I made fun of people on this show who, you know, criticize businesses or criticize different entities who have had employees test positive. Like, what do you expect? And, and you know, parents were freaking out whenever um, you know the, the the Louisiana Department of Schools issued guidance saying, you know, hey, we have to you know be precautious because we know students are going to test positive. And parents were freaking out. How dare they say that? You know, that means their plan is unsafe. No, man, that just means that they're being realist. Like, in every walk of life, in every realm, there are going to be people who are going to test positive for this. Um, that's just the reality in which we live. And and I think that it's good on the Pelicans to be forthright and honest and say three players have tested positive. And I think that it's it's very wise of them to also then come back and say that every player who is cleared is going to make the trip to Orlando, including the three players who have tested positive. Because I rolled my eyes yesterday and literally laughed out loud, like a literal LOL, because I was reading the stories about the Brooklyn Nets have three or four players who have tested positive, who have already removed themselves from the Orlando bubble, and who have already said they're not going to Orlando. So here we are, June 20, June 30th, uh, July 1st, by the time some of you guys listen to this, those players will be out of testing protocol by July the 10th, or roughly uh, thereabout, and the NBA season doesn't start until late late July. And these players now, knowing that they'll be healthy and able and ready to go for more than three weeks, are saying, nah, man, I'm good. I had COVID. I'm good. That's ridiculous, but that goes to show that whenever you have a coward like Kevin Durant as your leader, who is 100% healthy from his torn Achilles, 100% able to play, 100% should be playing with a team that is in the playoff chase, but is saying that he is not quote-unquote mentally ready to return, because he doesn't think his team has a realistic chance to win the championship if i'm hearing that as deandre jordan or if i'm hearing that as any of those other players who have tested positive that my star player doesn't want to play because he doesn't feel like it because he doesn't think we could win then why the hell should i go out into orlando and play either so the nets are shutting down but they're shutting down not because of covid19 they're shutting down because their leader is a coward they're shutting down because kevin durant doesn't want to play and if i'm a role player playing on a five million dollar a year salary and my 35 million dollar a year salary teammate says he doesn't want to play then why should i want to play either that's just the reality of the situation we could blame covid we could blame whatever we want to blame but those guys are not playing because kevin durant is not playing and because Kevin Durant is not playing because he doesn't think the Nets have a chance to win the championship. And that's an unhealthy place for the sport to go to where the only guys who are enthusiastic about playing are the guys who think they could realistically win the NBA title. That's why we have the super teams being built the way that they've been built. That's why we have some of the ratings in the sport going down. Because on any given year, just five to seven teams have a legitimate chance to win the championship out of 30 in an 82-game season. So thanks, Kevin Durant. You've officially ruined your team's chances for winning. And then look, they, they legitimately, if he were there and healthy and playing, they could have won the East because he's that level of a player and the East is that wide open. But he's not mentally ready. But I got a feeling he's going to suddenly be mentally ready the first game of next season whenever they have some reinforcements and whenever they have the coach that he wants because that's what it all comes down to. He wants to be coached by the person he wants to be coached by as opposed to them having an interim coach right now. Whew, got a little bit angry and upset about that one. The next thing that I wanted to touch on, Cam Newton has decided that he is going to sign with the New England Patriots. Um, A couple of thoughts about this. First and foremost, um, I personally think that Cam Newton is washed. I don't think he could play anymore. I'm not sure that he is even going to start um, over Jared Stidham and some of those other guys. Cam Newton is not an accurate passer. He's not going to be a 4,000-yard passer. Lately, he's been a low 3,000-yard passer, and his accuracy is going to be in the low 60s. He's not that pocket-passing type of guy. And on top of all of that, he turns over the ball like a bakery. In his last 47 games, he's thrown 44 interceptions. He's fumbled a ton of times on top of that. So it's one thing to throw a pick or two whenever you're throwing for 400 yards a game, it's another thing to throw a pick or two when you're throwing for 180 yards a game and cam newton is low volume and high turnover that's a double whammy so i, I don't think he could play at the level that he used to play anymore but i will say this and i'll say this with caution if and it's a big if capitalized bold letters big if if he comes out and starts running again look out because he could help new england um Whenever Cam Newton is at his best, it's not when he's in the shotgun standing in the pocket and trying to pick defenses apart. It's when he's rolling out to the left or to the right being a dual threat and is making plays with his legs and requiring the attention of the defense because of his legs. If he comes to New England and commits to running the ball 10, 12 times a game um, and doing some zone read and some different things like that, then yeah, it could work out. But a couple of words of caution. New England doesn't have weapons for beans. That's one thing, like we wanted to talk about last year, how Tom Brady was washed, and Tom Brady didn't have this and didn't have that, and he wasn't playing well, and he looked poor. Tom Brady didn't have weapons for beans. There's a reason why they wanted Antonio Brown. There's a reason why they were willing to roll the dice and play around with Josh Gordon for so long, because they don't have anything else. So the idea that you know Cam Newton's gonna probably need some good weapons, he's not the type of quarterback who is like a Drew Brees, who can make an average receiver into a great receiver. He's the type of guy who needs great receivers to be a great quarterback. And in New England, he doesn't have that. So I think that that is something that's going to be an issue. But we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll know right away. We'll know right away. And I was talking to my buddy Richard about this the other day. We'll know right away. And what I mean by that is they're either going to come up with something and invent something that uh, we've not seen, and it'll be difficult for teams to stop, some type of dual threat, you know, multifaceted offense, or it's gonna be something that looks ugly, the same short passing style they use with Tom Brady, that he just won't be accurate enough to pull off. But we're going to know right away if it's going to work or if it's not going to work, and we're going to know right away um, whether or not this thing is going to be a success. So I wanted to talk about that. Then I want to talk about the PGA Tour. Um, If you guys listen to the show, you guys know that last week was the first week since making our picks that we've actually made successful picks. Um, and last week's golf tournament, we gave you Kevin Na as a sleeper, he finished fifth. We gave you Bryson DeChambeau as your champion, he finished sixth. We gave you Rory McIlroy as your shark, he finished tied for 11th. So all three picks that we gave you at the Travelers Championship finished in the top 11. That's pretty damn hard to do. Um, so we pat ourselves on the back a little bit for that. Dustin Johnson won the Travelers Championship uh, shot a 61 in round three, just played beautifully, had a lot of hiccups in round four, quite frankly, tried to give the tournament away, but did just enough to get by, beating Kevin Screwman by a stroke. Um, the the leader after three rounds was um Brendan Todd, but Brendan Todd completely uh, collapsed in the final round shot a 75. So he dropped well out of contention. So this week we are going to now reopen the playbook again. We're going to the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is going to be in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Let's see, we're gonna open up the sports betting sheet here and we're gonna give you our three picks for this coming week on the PGA Tour. There's a good field, a lot of very solid players who are going to be playing in the event. So let's see what we've got here. My Shark for this week, and again, Shark is a player that I define as a name brand player who I think is not necessarily going to win, but it was going to play well, be in contention, be at the top, near near the top of the leaderboard, first page of the leaderboard. I'm going to go Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler is 28-1 to 1 this week at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Ain't no way in heck if you played this tournament 28 times, Ricky Fowler wouldn't be in contention several of those times. Give me Ricky Fowler as my shark, as my sleeper this week. I'm going to go down the list and I'm going to say that I like, um, let's see, there are a lot of them that I could pick from. I'm going to pick Pat Perez as my sleeper this week. Pat Perez is 150-1 to, to win the tournament. I think Pat Perez is going to have a good week. He's going to make the cut. I think he's going to be in contention. And my pick to be the champion, I am going to go this week with Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland is 16-1. to 1. Victor Hovlin's a guy that folks in America are not altogether familiar with yet um because you know he's he's from across the pond and and not all the way well known but man he's a player (laughs) he's a big time player uh good ball striker victor hovland is going to be my pick this week in a field that consists of bryson dechambeau webb simpson tyrell hatton tyrell hatton would be a good pick to win as well patrick reed victor hovland hideki matsuyama sung jm kevin na ricky fowler tony finau bubba watson uh, Brandt Snedeker, Jason Day. So there are a lot of good players in the field, but I'm gonna go with Victor Hovland to be our champion this week. Uh, can't wait to watch it. Rocket Mortgage Classic is gonna begin on Thursday, out there in Michigan, and that's gonna be a long golf course, uh, 7,340 yards out in Detroit. Nate Lashley is the defending champion of that one. So, uh, before we talk about some a little bit of sports betting, we're going to talk about AEW Fighter Fest Night One. Uh, that is going to be going on tomorrow or tonight, if you're listening to this on Wednesday. It's going to be July the 1st, Fighter Fest Night 1. A couple of things I'm looking forward to. Night 1's card will be MJF and Wardlow uh, versus Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Private Party versus Santana and Ortiz. AEW Women's title will be on the line. Hikaru, um, Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford. The tag titles will be on the line. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus The Best Friends. And the TNT uh, title match will be Uh, Cody vs. Jake Hager Um, I think that Cody vs. Jake Hager is going to be a tremendous showcase of wrestling talent Um, I think that that one is probably going to steal the show Uh, but the match that I'm looking forward to I think that Private Party vs. Santana and Ortiz is going to be very good the storyline has been good, the build up has been pretty good Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing what Fighter Fest is going to bring to us I think that night two of Fighter Fest, which will be next Wednesday, is probably a better uh, night. Uh, you know, you got FTR and the Young Bucks and John Moxley and Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy and Colt Cabana. I think fight uh, night two of Fighter Fest is going to be the better of the two nights. Um, but anytime you got any type of AEW event that is going to be broadcast on a large scale or any type of pay per view. You just know that Cody Rhodes is going to do something absolutely crazy. So I think that that match with he and Jake Hager could potentially steal the show to a grand level. So I think that the combination of that one and the tag team title match with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus The Best Friends, those could be two potentially very good matches. Um, some of the other things on the show, I'm not too excited about the women's world title match. Yeah, it's just kind of whatever. And then the first, uh, the, the first match booked is. MJF and Warlovers, War Lovers, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, again, just kinda, eh, whatever. It'll be okay, I guess. Um, but we'll see, Fighter Fest, you know, we continue. We're making the honest effort. We've been so critical of AEW, we're making the honest effort to get into the product, and we're gonna try our best. Monday Night Raw was pretty good on Monday. Uh, the double contract signing, I thought that was okay. The continued tease of um, Andrade and uh, and that group splitting apart. That was pretty good. Um, I, I think that the stuff they're doing with Bobby Lashley is is very good. So there were some good, some bad. It was a good episode. The ratings were not very good. Uh, so curious to see if they stick to the, the storylines and everything that they're doing right now, knowing that the ratings are continuing to kind of trend in the wrong direction. So that's our wrestling. Now we're going to do a little bit of sports betting. This is going to be a new segment called the Sports Betting Blitz. And what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up every single sports segment with the sports betting blitz i'm so excited about this y'all i love to do this so much um you know how we make our picks for the pga tour we're going to kind of jump in and dive into some more mainstream stuff um and one of the things we're going to do leading up to the football season here in the betting blitz is we're going to give over and under picks for each team in the nfl and then some prominent teams that we're following in college football so NFL starting in alphabetical order. We're going to do two NFL teams a day, or, or a show rather, two college football teams a show. We're going to start in the A's today. The Arizona Cardinals in the NFL. Las Vegas says over or under seven and a half wins. I'll dive right in and say pretty definitively, I think under. Um, I think the Cardinals are still one year away. I think Kyler Murray had an ice rookie season, but I think he's going to take a step backward a little bit of a sophomore slump as the teams kind of catch up to him and their roster is just not great and their division is very good you got to play the 49ers twice you got to play the seahawks twice you got to play the rams twice those are six games that you're going to probably be the underdog in all six of them so that's tough and i you know i think that arizona is going to be an exciting team they're going to be a team that could beat anybody on any given sunday but I think they're going to be a 5-11, and 6-10 team. I just don't see 7, 8, 9 wins. Over, under, 7.5, I'm going under. And I'm saying that with pretty good confidence. Second NFL team on the list today is going to make me, you know, my hair is going to turn gray picking this one. Atlanta Falcons over and under 7.5. <sighs> I say, you know, here's the thing. I say Cardinals with, like, definition. I think the Cardinals are definitively going to be under. With the Falcons, man, I don't have a clue. I could see Atlanta catching fire and having a really strong 10-win season and you know challenging the NFC South title. I could see Matt Ryan looking absolutely terrible and this team finishing 4-12. and um, And I guess Vegas is kind of in between both of those outcomes, saying that the win total will be seven and a half. I like some of the things the Falcons did in their offseason. I like the things that the Falcons did in the draft. I'm going to painfully and probably regretfully say over for Atlanta, over 7.5, but not by a lot. I'm going to go 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven type of thing for Atlanta, but I know that they're such an unreliable team that I'm probably going to regret making that pick. But give me over for Atlanta, give me under for Arizona. Both teams, are, uh, they're over on the line is 7.5. So two college picks, then we'll wrap up, take a quick commercial break, go to Jared Martin. Alabama, football over, under 10 and a half wins. Uh, The first thing that you got to figure out about college football win totals is, you you know, you want to go look at the non-conference schedule. We know the SEC schedule's hard, but for Alabama, in 12 games, we know one thing about Alabama. They're not going to play anybody with a pulse in the non-conference. They just won't. Um, And this year's no different. They play USC, Georgia State, Kent State, and Tennessee Martin. So right out of the gate, they're 4-0. Now, you got to look at their SEC schedule. And for this to be under... They would have to lose two SEC games. Um, now, they play at LSU, which is going to be difficult. And they also play Georgia this year, which is going to be difficult. So let's say they split those two games. That's one loss. So that would put them 11-1. and one. Um, They're going to beat Arkansas. They're going to beat Ole Miss. Both of those games on the road, I don't care. They're going to beat both of those teams. Mississippi State at home, they're going to beat them, no problem. Tennessee on the road, uh, 95% chance they win that. Um so I'm 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 splitting LSU and Georgia, giving them one loss. Then I think what it all comes down to here is can they sweep Texas A&M and Auburn? Texas A&M has everybody back. They're they were young last year, they have everybody back for better or for worse. They have Kelly Mon back quarterback. I think he's he's not very good. <laughs> but He's, you know, making the statements that he's going to be the next Joe Burrow and he's going to ascend and have a huge season after having an average season. Yet, you know, it remains to be seen. But on paper, they have a lot of the core of their their depth chart back. So a lot of folks are predicting Texas St. and m is going to be um, kind of the sleeper team. Auburn. Um, that that's the final game of the regular season for Alabama. Auburn had a freshman quarterback last year. He was very limited. He's expected to be able to do a little bit more. But here's the kicker for me. Alabama, after playing in Death Valley on November the seventh, doesn't play another road game. They have Tennessee Martin, which is a buy. They'll beat them, but then they have A&M and Auburn both at home. So because of that, I'm going to go Alabama 11 and one, and I'm going to go over 10 and a half for Alabama. I think that they're going to be 11 and one on the season. Arkansas, <laughs> this one is so depressing to see this for an SEC team. Arkansas over or under three and a half wins. Can you imagine being an SEC fan? And your team is expected to win three and a half games. or you know, That means three and nine or four and eight is what you're predicted to do. Um, I've looked at that number and I thought right away, like, you know, they're going to win four non conference games, so it's going to be over. But if you go and look at their schedule, they might not win four non conference games. They're, they probably won't. They're playing Notre Dame. That's a loss. They're playing Nevada to open up the season. Nevada is usually pretty good. That'll be a difficult game. They're going to beat Charleston Southern ul monroe and yeah, maybe maybe not um so let's say they they go two and two in non-conference play let's say that they beat ul monroe they beat charleston southern they lose to notre dame they lose to nevada so they're two and two there so that means that they would have to win two sec games to go over three and a half um let's look at their sec schedule at mississippi state texas a&m at home alabama lsu I think all four of those are losses. At Mississippi State with the Cowbells and all that good stuff, that's a loss. Texas A&M is going to be better. That game's on neutral site. That's a loss. Alabama and LSU both at home, but it's both in consecutive weeks. They're not beating either one of them. So can they win any two of these four? Tennessee at home, Auburn on the road, Ole Miss at home, Missouri on the road. I just don't see it. I think they could maybe beat Ole Miss. I think they can maybe split between Ole Miss and Tennessee and get one win. I don't think they're winning any road game. I'm going to go three wins for Arkansas, so I'm going to go under three and a half, which, my God, for an SEC school, three and nine, that's that's pretty tough. But I, I just don't see it. Arkansas was flat terrible last year. They're not recruiting well. I know they've got a new head coach, new energy, all that good stuff. But, jimmies and joes are better than x's and o's i don't think they have the players yet i think it's gonna be a rough and long year give me three and nine for the razorbacks so that is our sports betting blitz for this episode let's go ahead and wrap up this sports segment with a quick commercial break when we get back jaron martin mr jaron martin with LaFouche parish schools he's the school superintendent he gives a rundown of the things LaFouche will be doing in the upcoming school year you don't want to miss it it's the casey's corner podcast right here on lafouchegazette.com. So today I come to you guys with some fantastic news. At a time in news media where everyone is shrinking their coverage, everyone is putting up paywalls so that you have to pay for your coverage, everybody is printing fewer copies of their paper and finding good, reliable news is harder than ever. We at the LaFouche Gazette are going the opposite direction. Today, I'm proud to announce that instead of shrinking the number of papers that we print, we're expanding our coverage and we're expanding our coverage area. We're now going to have boxes in Northern Lafouche, in the Northern Raceland communities, in the St. Charles communities, and in the Thibodeau community. We're going to be doing the best that we can to reach every single household in Lafouche Parish, and every single person who wants access to our newspaper in the physical copy and online will be able to get that. So, thank you guys so much, very much, from the bottom of my heart. And I know I speak on behalf of everyone on our team. Thank you so much for allowing this to happen and keep reading. We are LaFouche strong 100% of the time. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com. Joining us now, the LaFouche Parish School Superintendent, Mr. Jared Martin. Mr. Martin, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, thank you. Absolutely. Um, wanted to have you on because the, the questions that we receive the most in terms of the pandemic right now are involving schools, and there are so many parents that are concerned about what schools may look like. So right out of the gate, I'm going to ask you, have you guys finalized your plan for what the 2020-2021 school year is going to look like? And what, uh, if so, what are some of the things that may be part of that plan?
0: Well, we, we have a finalized plan, but the plan is always going to be a working document. Um, that, that plan was submitted to my board earlier today for review, and uh, there are a lot of things in it that are going to be different than the way school looked before the pandemic began. Uh, but we're, we're trying, and our goal is to have – uh, school look as normal as possible you know school the way it used to be but of course that is not possible due to the, the pandemic and so we have to put up a whole host of different measures in place to, to ensure student and employee safety.
1: And in terms of you know specifically what are some of those things uh, if if you if you don't mind sharing what are some things that 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 may be different that parents may uh, be able to uh, look forward to here in the coming months.
0: Yes yeah, so In the the plan as it stands now, um, we are going to base our major decisions on the current phase, right? As you know, we are currently in phase two, we were in phase one, and we are on a um, glide path to potentially be in phase three by the start of school, um, should the uh, science behind the COVID numbers be in a position where the governor can transition. And so in phase three, we would have the ability to have every student in school every day Um, if the governor's office keeps us in phase two we would use an a b model and an a b model um, is one where we only bring one half the students to school on any given day and the plan as it stands now is that If you are a student in Group A, you would go to school Monday, Wednesday, and every other Friday. And if you're in Group B, you would go to school Tuesday, Thursday, and every other Friday. Um, And if we happen to have to go back to Phase 1, then the only learning opportunities would be virtual. Uh, All of our kids would be learning online. But I want to... Also emphasize that any family that chooses a virtual, uh, online learning program, such as Google Classrooms, which is what we used at the end of last school year, um, and through our summer extended learning opportunities, that parent can do that in any of the three phases. So if in the governor, if the governor's office goes to phase three, and we start school in a traditional sense where we offer in class school for all of our students any family can still opt to be taught at home via google classrooms and uh, those families that are economically disadvantaged would be provided the device to to put internet in their home uh, they're called my these mobile hotspots So from a very high altitude, that's the the overall view of our plan. Of course, there are a bunch of details that we have to do uh, to ensure student safety, such as masks for children, grades three and up, um, temperature checks for every child upon arrival at school. And we are going to uh, attempt to maintain or attain a six-foot separation uh, amongst our children but that will only be to the maximum extent possible because in our classrooms, as you know, there's, there's really, it's unattainable to think that in phase three if we have every student that there will actually be six feet of separation between the children. Uh, it would be more like four, four and a half feet. And the guidelines from the state, um, read that we are allowed to do that and, and they understand us to the maximum extent possible. But for our youngest learners, uh, who may struggle with a mask, or who may not be able to wear a mask because of their age, such as a pre-K or kindergartner, to mitigate the risk of uh, spread throughout the school, all of our classrooms will be static, uh, which means that the children are not going to uh, transition from one class to another. Those learning groups are going to stay static, and the teachers are going to rotate around children.
1: Okay, so um, let's say we have a fourth grader who is raised by mama and papa and mama and papa are nervous because they're older and they don't want to send the kid to campus and they choose to do the virtual learning how will the you know it work in terms of okay if there's a spelling exam how are they going to do the same examinations and tests as the other students in the class while not physically being there
0: That's a great question. So the way we're going to set this up is each of our teachers classrooms are going to have the technology available to record the lessons and via Google classrooms, you can give the same activities, the same tests, and the same uh, exercises and in the students home that are being done in the classroom. Now, the lessons will not be live. So you're looking at a two to three day delay. Um, but they will have access to the exact same curriculum and the exact same test that their peers are taking.
1: Very good. And in terms of okay, you you talked about phase one, two, and three. Um, are you guys? Uh, do you guys have the capability of being kind of elastic in that if we start at phase three and go back down to phase two? You know, how how elastic is the plan? Are you guys ready to jump with as the phases you know evolve?
0: That that's the great part of the plan that this staff has been able to put together. It's the thing that I'm I'm most comfortable with Um, because all of our teachers will be using the Google Classrooms platform for all of their activities. We can transition from phase three, two, one and back up to three in any given school year and not have a gap in the curriculum or the instructional design that we're using Um, because both the in-person and the virtual learners will be will be learning the same information at the same pace.
1: Very good. And if, you know, a parent is wondering, uh, are you guys going to provide masks or should they bring their own mask? And, you know, will the mask be allowed to have, you know, if they have an LSU design, can they have a certain print on it? Give us a guideline in terms of masking.
0: Yeah. So what we're requesting, uh, what we're what we're asking is that families provide their own cloth washable mask. That's consistent with the CDC guidelines. Um, We are attempting to acquire a number of disposable masks. If, for example, a student's mask gets soiled throughout the day, it rips, it falls off uh, and becomes, you know, dirty. Um, we're going to attempt to fill that gap, um, but from a purely financial standpoint, it would be difficult for us to provide a washable mask to every child every day. That would That would not be attainable. So we're asking that the families that opt for in-person learning to send their child with a cloth mask, uh, knowing that should some emergency arise where their cloth mask is unavailable to be worn properly, we we could step in and provide one, but it's certainly not um, the first course of action that we would want to take.
1: So, look- and,
0: and to answer the other part of your question, um, right now, as long as Um, It conforms to societal expectations, um, you know, so that it's not, you know, as long as the mask is appropriate for for students, uh, for children. Uh, You know, I know that maybe an Alabama mask might not be conforming (laughs) to somebody's, But 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 unfortunately, we're going to allow those as well. I'm picking because some of my friends are actually Crimson Tide fans. God bless them.
1: Very good. And so the next question that i want to ask you is i mean we have such a a wonderful system here you know among the top public school systems in the entire state of louisiana are you confident mr martin that doing some of these things and changing kind of the recipe do you think that you know so to speak the gumbo is going to still be as good do you think you guys could still hold that same excellent standard even while practicing these different things
0: Without a doubt. Um, our teachers are second to none, and they're going to make this happen, and they're going to do it in a, in a really sound way. Uh, I was very proud at the end of last school year whenever we stood up the Google platform and our teachers were videoing and providing online instruction. Um, whether it's in person or whether it's online, I know our teachers are up to the task. Um, now, if you're going to ask me as an educator, <clears throat> you know, which is the superior method, I would tell you that clearly the in-person method is a superior method of learning. Um, But at the same time, I recognize that there is an unparalleled need to exercise extreme caution and safety. And based on individual family circumstances, they all need to make, those choices that are best for their own families and for, their, for the safety of others. Uh, and so the next best thing to being in a given teacher's classroom, in particularly one of our great Lafourche Parish teachers, is to, to be involved in the Google Classroom where you get to have a video of that lesson and periodic times that you can interact with that teacher in a meaningful way uh, via the computer
1: two aspects of this that I'm often asked about busing and cafeterias what are you guys going to do to uh, get students to and from school and then also feed them while they're there in
0: phase two uh, we're going to follow the protocol which says that you can only have 50 percent of the occupancy of the bus Uh, and 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 so we're going to have hand sanitizer on the bus that students are going to use as soon as they get on the bus the windows on the bus have to be down um and we'll be at 50 percent occupancy also the driver of the bus is going to have a mask on um and the only change for phase three is that we are able to get to 75 percent of the occupancy on the bus and so we're going to label the number of students that are allowed to get on every bus to make sure that we don't breach that um and and the, the other challenge is that we live in a hot area where it's high humidity and uncomfortable um but I imagine like when you and I were in school, um, the, the kids are not gonna be as comfortable as they, they, some of them have been because the windows are gonna have to be down. Um, so those are the protocols for transportation and we feel confident that we can get these kids to and from school based on the guidelines of 50 and 75% occupancy for phase one, uh, excuse me, for phase two and for phase three. And for feeding, um, it's actually a little more tricky than transportation. And so the plan right now is that children will leave their classroom as a classroom, go to the cafeteria, wash their hands, and get their plate. And depending on the age of the child and the principal's plan, for some of our youngest learners, they're going to sit in a predetermined section of the cafeteria, eat their food, wash their hands, go back to class. Uh, For some of our older learners that are able to, they will simply go to the cafeteria, wash their hands, get their food, and then go to some other place. Um, It may be a classroom, it may be a gymnasium, it may be a commons area where tables are set up to eat their food, then wash their hands and go back to the classroom. Um, But we have to change the model of feeding because obviously when you're eating a meal, the person is unable to wear a mask. And so the six feet of separation no longer becomes, to the extent possible, it becomes a mandate. And, and we, in, we, um, we intend to uphold that mandate.
1: Okay, so uh, I know that there have been several universities, Nichols, and, and well, I don't know if Nichols has, but I know LSU has, has changed their fall schedule to where they're moving up final exams because of a, quote, unquote, second wave. Based on the guidance that you guys are hearing, are you going to change your school calendar at all to account for this in the fall?
0: No, our school calendar is going to stay the same. If, God forbid, um, the conditions on the ground with COVID get worse, we would simply transition to either phase two, which is the AB model, or phase one, which is pure virtual. Um, but to say that we're going to move marking periods up or back, uh, that has not been discussed and is not currently part of our plan.
1: Very good. Um, in terms of if and when you know a, a student were to test positive, what protocols will be in place in terms of you know, cleaning the classroom area that that student has been in. I know that there's going to be a lot of sanitation and a lot of cleaning that maybe wouldn't have otherwise been done. What's the plan in terms of keeping things sanitary?
0: So from a cleaning standpoint, we have a very specific protocol, which is also going to be published as part of our return to school plan. Um, And we have purchased some fogging machines, some disinfectors, and we're going to be training our custodial staff and our maintenance staff on exactly how to respond to this. And and many of the products we're already using are effective at killing the COVID virus if it's on surfaces. And so a deep cleaning of any area where a known infected person were or was uh, will be conducted as well as a phone call to the local health department and and i've been in contact um with dr Uh, chip riggins as early as or as late as i should say about an hour ago and so the department of health uh, administrator myself uh and and my safety office we're we're all going to be in close um, connection with one another as we navigate Uh, what to do in these environments and and how do we then recommend to families if they need to quarantine, if they just need to uh, keep a close eye out for their children, uh, so on and so forth. And what he and I discussed is, you know, because a child or a teacher, um, and it's inevitable that it will happen test positive. It does not necessarily mandate that the entire class um, quarantine themselves for 14 days. It would only be those folks that were in close contact and he defines close contact and the cdc defines close contact as less than six feet for greater than 15 minutes Um, and so we're going to be defaulting those decisions to the department of health and we'll be following their guidelines carefully
1: very good, and and you know, looking at my my social media feed, one question that parents are asking is, you know, there may be parents that are nervous; they don't want to go to the department store right now and buy uniforms. Are you guys going to be loosening any uniform restrictions in terms of, you know, especially the first couple of weeks of school, to maybe allow people a little time to catch up?
0: That hasn't been discussed as of yet. Um, you know, it's been so long since we we haven't had a uniform policy. I don't even know how the larger community would respond to that. I, I know that uniforms, by and large, for most parents are actually a popular thing because they don't have to worry about going by the latest fashions or worry about what they're going to put their children in.
1: Sure.
0: Um, but I can say that the board is going to be very um, sympathetic to the, to the, the plight of the, the local community. And, and we'll be taking all of those into into account as we make these decisions. But um, honestly, Mr. Just clear that that has not been discussed um, by anybody in my office or, or, or amongst our board as of yet, but we'll certainly consider it.
1: Very good. And, and in terms of curriculum, you know, let's say there was, you know, a third grader who missed the last couple of months of school. Is there going to be an adjustment to then that fourth grade curriculum to try to kind of make up for lost time, so to speak?
0: Yes. Yeah, so every teacher is going to conduct a a, a a diagnostic instrument with the kids as they arrive. And we, we know that there was a marking period lost. Um, and so the first marking period of fourth grade is probably going to be a hybrid curriculum where it's the half of the last marking period of the previous year and half of the first marking period of the current year and uh, we have a goal that our pacing charts and our pacing guidelines would have us whole again by mid-year so that if you're in the fourth grade as the example you used the third and fourth marking period would be the same as if we didn't have a pandemic the previous year. But again, that's all dependent on uh, how frequently we can keep our kids in school and to what extent this virus interrupts our, our learning this year. And um, I'm very hopeful and praying that it's minimal, um, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: Mr. Martin, you know, I'm a big sports fan, so i got to ask you about this. Um, if there are strict seating restrictions and, and you know, if the situation doesn't get a little better than what it is right now, can we realistically have middle school and high school athletics without the full attendance and the full revenues coming in? Is that something that's a possibility? The short answer is
0: I believe absolutely it is. Um, you know, the the revenue generated at these events really doesn't make the make the, it it doesn't make them whole as it is. And so I believe that any way you can cause a child to be connected to a school is important, whether that's band, whether it's ag, whether it's football or cheerleading. And so our commitment to the community is the same as our commitment to the students. We want to give the students as full of school experience as possible, but we have to be safe. We have to be responsible and we have to be the adults. And so if we're allowed to safely perform these functions, then then we're committed to doing so. Um, But it's going to be at the direction of the Department of Health and within the guidelines of the governor's office and the LHSA.
1: In terms of uh, tax collections and different things like that, I mean, you guys are dependent on a good, strong economy to have the services and the things that you need. Um, You know, we were shut down for quite some time and and local businesses are hurting. Um, How much is that going to affect you guys, if at all?
0: We don't have any plans right now um, in, in terms of budgetary adjustments. We continue and, and we're committed to continue to provide the same level of service that we, that we have. Um, it's too early to tell based on how we collect our taxes and how that revenue is generated to know what effect it's going to have. Um, but you're right. All signs point to it's not going to have a great effect on us. Um, and it's going to, at some point, become a, become a decision that we have to make in terms of cuts and what has to be cut. But I'm very thankful right now uh, that we have not realized any of that. And we don't currently have any projection projected cuts that we have to make. And and largely that is due to the fact that the federal government has provided via the CARES Act um, money to us to absorb some of the things that we've had to do. We have spent um, in excess of $2 million on Chromebooks, MiFi's, cleaning supplies uh you name it everything that that this virus has placed in the school district um, we've been able to use cares act money to accomplish so right now we are whole uh, but as you know three months from now six months from now nine months from now those those things could change but i'm optimistic that the economy is going to recover and i'm optimistic that sales tax collections and all of the ad valorem taxes that are associated with a robust economy are going to return soon
1: Mr. Mar, we get asked quite often from you know people in the community who are you know raising money or sewing masks or whatever it may be, and, and they're asking how, you know what what do the schools need? What is something we could do to help out? What are some things that if someone would like to donate that they could give to you guys that that you guys would be in need of currently at this time?
0: You know, um, that's a really good question, and I had someone on the phone with me just yesterday asking that that same thing. And and the answer right now, Mr. Just bear is, is I don't know. And I'm not, (laughs) I'm not afraid to say that because what, what I mean is we have actually amended the school supply list for families because I do not want to put the burden of cleaning classrooms on our families. As an example, it's been a practice. Uh, Sometimes teachers will put Lysol wipes and Kleenex and paper towels on the supply list for some of our youngest students and, and because we received cares act money to purchase cleaning supplies and make COVID appropriations. I told all of our principals, don't put any of that stuff on the list because we have been given money that is allowing us to purchase all of those cleaning supplies. The school will be given those cleaning supplies. And and so we don't need those things, but as the school year progresses, we know we're going to identify new things that, frankly, we haven't thought of yet. Um, never in my wildest dreams did I think I was going to have to purchase as a school district 350 forehead-reading thermometers. <laughs> um, but, but, but that's what we're doing. And then, of course, what goes with the thermometers, you need a whole bunch of batteries. Um, and so our needs are evolving, and so what I would recommend those folks do if they want to help, Contact their local principals because the local principals understand what their specific schools need. And it's my experience that most people, when they want to help, they want to help somebody in their backyard. Um, And so the local principals will have a very good idea of what they need should someone want to contribute to a local school.
1: Last question for you, and we thank you so much for the time. But I'm going to give you an opportunity now to kind of close out. There's going to be a lot of parents and maybe even students who are listening to this i'm going to give you the opportunity now to speak directly to them and you know kind of give a final message in terms of hey it's the end of june by the time people are listening to this is actually going to be july 1st um talk about you know uh, i guess uh how you think this is all going to go and, and kind of reassure people that everything's going to be okay
0: yeah so you know being a uh, a product of lafourche parish growing up here One thing I know is that we're going to figure out a solution to this problem. Um, And what we are committed to is providing a top-tier education to all of our children. Um, And part of that top-tier education and part of the service we provide is allowing families to go about their professional lives while we take good care of their children and keep them safe. So those are our priorities. Uh, Student safety providing a place where children can be safe as their parents go about their professional lives and maintaining our status as a top tier educational uh, institution in the state of Louisiana. We feel confident we have a plan that accomplishes all of those things and that gives us the freedom to move from one given situation to the next. And so uh, I'm absolutely, you know, trending up and I'm bullish on Lafourche parish, particularly the school system as we navigate the, the uncertain future, because I'm certain of one thing. The people of LaFouche Parish, the teachers in LaFouche Parish, they're going to answer the calling, and they're going to answer it well. And our kids are going to be just fine. So I know that there's a lot of uncertainty out there, um, but our local schools are going to do great, and our principals are going to do great, and our teachers are going to do just fine. So I want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to explain some of this plan. Um, tomorrow we'll be publishing the complete document that is hyperlinked to not only the, the the plan but we have a hyperlink to the specific cleaning and safety regulations we'll be following uh, and so i think a lot of answers are going to be given in the next few days and i want to remind everybody that uh, we are offering the virtual learning model for any family that needs it in any phase um, and i think it's important to know that um, because this is going to be a challenging time and people may have to navigate from one to the other And we want to offer that opportunity
1: Mr. Martin, I thank you so much. Keep up the good work. You know I'm on your side. You know that we're, uh, we're rooting for you guys going forward, okay? Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. All right, so everybody, now we could all do this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Exhale. <sighs> Breathe. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. There's a good plan in place. There are good people in place. This is all going to work out for the best. Thanks so much to Mr. Martin for the time. Let's catch a quick commercial break when we get back from one end of the spectrum to the other. We'll have professional boxer Rance Ward on the line. Rance was supposed to be fighting on ESPN tonight, tested positive for COVID-19, and is now back at home. We'll ask Rance how he's feeling. We'll ask Rance when he plans to get back in the ring. It's the Casey's Corner podcast on thefouchegazette.com. Did you know that on thefouchegazette.com, we generate 1 million page views per month. Yes, that's not a typo, that's not me reading it wrong, that's not me selling you a bill of goods. We generate 1 million page views per month. That's 1 million times someone is on our website clicking their mouse and saying, hey, I want to read that. Did you know that our website, LaFoucheGazette.com, generates more than 200,000 individual users per month? There's 97,000 people in LaFouche, Parish. We generate 200,000 viewers per month. We reach just about every single household in LaFouche Parish and even beyond. Contact us today for advertising and sales rates. If you want to get your business seen in a tough economic time, I promise you, if you invest in LafourcheGazette.com, your ad is going to be seen and it's going to be seen by every single person in Lafouche Parish. Contact us today and get involved. 985-693-7229. Help us help you. We're all in this together. We're all the food strong.
0: I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right.
1: It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on thefoodgazette.com. Joining us now, local professional boxer, Rance Ward. Rance, how are you, man? Um, I'm I'm pretty
2: good. Me, I'm pretty good. Just made it home from being
1: Good, and and that's the perfect segue into what we were going to ask. I was expecting to be watching you fighting tonight on national television, but those plans got derailed after a positive COVID-19 test. So before we talk about everything that happened, we've got to ask you out front, how do you feel, man? You, You sound like you're doing okay, but how do you feel?
2: I feel I feel great, you know, when when the people told me I was tested positive, you know, I, I, was, I was in shock, like, because I don't catch no flu, because they see the COVID-19 of flu. I ain't never had a flu, for 26 years.
1: Wow, okay, and, and do you have, did you come in contact with anybody else who had it? Do you have any idea where you may have caught it?
2: No, 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 sir, I haven't. Uh, all I have been doing for this camp was going to the gym, and back home and repeatedly.
1: Very good. And obviously, um, I'm sure it was a huge letdown. I mean, you were about ready to be fighting in Vegas on national television against Fred Wilson Jr. When you found out, you know, hey, that's not gonna be taking place, I'm sure that, that it it hurt at the heart a little bit. Talk about how that felt.
2: Uh it felt it felt pretty pretty heartbreaking, you know. The whole the whole Paris, you know, was ready for tonight. Um, all my notifications, everything, DM was full. Everybody was ready for me. They were supporting me, buying all my shirts. You know, I I would I was, they with more ready than me. You could put it that way.
1: Um, and when did you you get your test? What is whenever you arrived in Vegas? Talk us through that process.
2: Yes, when when I when we arrived, when that was Sunday, uh, me and my agent, we went walk the strip to the store to get some to get some uh some merchandise and then we came back and took the uh, test and it was just all three of us took it me my coach and my agent so they said if they call you you have it so in the next morning they called me and my agent I mean me and my coach but my agent didn't have nothing nice. and I'm like that's very strange because we was all he was with me at the training camp too. And we uh walked to the store together. Plus, we was right next to each other in the same hotel room playing the game, you know. So, I don't know how he ain't catching. Yeah,
1: that's crazy, so, man. And and um, in terms of did you have to follow any type of protocols getting back home or anything like that? How how much precaution did you have to take getting back?
2: They, they, they flew him. They flew my agent, and it made me and my coach drive home. They had a rental. They took care of us, though. But... Yeah, they had a run and everything for us. And that's we just it took a day and a half for us to get back home.
1: Very good. And and now talk about um you know, what happens next. Obviously you're gonna you're gonna, you know, take a little bit of time and, and you know, put this all the way to bed. But now how do you uh look to bounce back? Do you like do you try to line up some fights here in the future? I guess what's next for Rant Swart? Oh uh, back to training
2: camp, you know. Ain't gonna be around too many people. Tomorrow I'm going to get, uh, retested. So to, to see, I'm going to get retested, but me and my coach was talking on the way up here and the team training camp doesn't stop. So it's still back to work. And, uh, I I would love to fight the same person, you know, put us both back on the show. I love to fight him and, uh, we just gonna keep working.
1: Tell us about that because some of my friends and I were, were were talking, and and I don't know anything about Fred Wilson. I mean, he's got a pretty good record, six zero and two. Obviously, you know more about him than what we do. Um, talk about what challenges that fight would have presented, and if you do get a, an opportunity to fight the same guy, uh, do you feel confident about how it would go?
2: I, I feel very confident. You know, I was uh, he disrespected me in a uh, a nice little way. You know, he told he told. The man on the podcast, I was watching because I do my homework on all my opponents. He said I was I was nothing, and I went on his level. Like you don't you know, you don't know the people I train with and how I train, so you can't disrespect me in this sport to say I ain't nothing because it takes a lot of guts to be in this sport, and I done him and me. So you you know, I, I was very ready for him. So I love to see him.
1: So let's talk a little bit about um, your path so far to this point. Started off four and zero, getting some big wins along the way, and then you had a draw, and then and then the loss in your last fight. Um, what were you looking to get better at to kind of improve and try to get back on that winning track? What were some of the things you thought that that you didn't do as well in the in the fight that you lost?
2: Oh, oh the fight that I lost was we had a lot of problem with the team and communication skills. We just had. And I wasn't really focused on that fight, you know. So I take my L on that fight. And what we learned from that fight was, you know, not not to be so aggressive on another speedster. A person that was more, way more faster than me. So we just learned how to bag off and set and ring IQ just adjust. And on the draw point was the weight cut loss. I have a dietitian at that time. And I was killing myself on my leg. So... Which I really was supposed to win because the first judge scored 59 fifty nine fifty four. So I don't know how that became a <laughs> draw. But <laughs> I don't know how he got that far. So, but it was his hometown anyway.
1: So talk to us about that. And that's a good question that you, or a good you know point that you just brought up. You, you're trying to do professional fighting in the middle of a pandemic when a lot of things are closed down is it harder than normal to train is it harder than normal to keep up with your conditioning and your weight and everything like that talk us through the struggle that that's been you know trying to make your mark while the entire world is closed down uh
2: i'm gonna say it's not hard because some some things open back up like i have my gym lifted nutritionist that's ryan he's open now he, he's part of the team my cardio is is, is outstanding cuz I run almost every day so i can make the weight now and the gyms certain gyms that, that we go to have been open and been helping us so i appreciate them for that but every i was just ready for this fight you know so
1: yeah i totally <laughs> hear you brother and and one of the things i wanted to ask you about is is you touched on this a minute ago you do um, or have done some mma uh, is that completely in the past? Are you one hundred percent boxing now, or if the right opportunity arose, would you look into doing some MMA in the future?
2: Uh, I'm completely hundred a hundred uh, percent boxing. I should have I should have done MMA for this training camp because I'd be in dog shit if I would, and that's what I'm gonna do this time. Do some MMA rolling with my
1: uh, jiu-jitsu coach, my former jiu-jitsu coach. Very good, and and. Uh, what is your ideal weight? What's the weight that you're you're usually trying to fight at, and what weight do you think you're the best at? I'm I'm the best at
2: 160 and 165.
1: Okay, very good. And, and um, one thing that that I thought was awesome is that you're right. Um, you were getting a ton of support on Facebook and, and social media, and I even saw, you know, the LaFouche District Attorney, Miss Russell, you know, put took a picture with you, and she was rooting you on, and so many prominent people rooting you on. Um, how does that feel to know that you've got so many people in the community in your corner and they're rooting you on and, you know, this fight may have been canceled, but the next one you're going to still have that same army behind you. How does that feel?
2: I feel pretty I feel pretty good, you know, because it's, it's almost like some kind of what you have a little bit of power with them because they're very powerful in, in, in our community.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you, brother.
2: Mm hmm. as best to have them on our on,
1: on our side. So we we talked to um, a lot of professional athletes here, and we talked to a lot of coaches and, and different things of that sort. Now you're 26 years old now, and and there're going to be some folks that are going to be listening to this who um, are going to be far younger, who are going to be teenagers, and who are going to be trying to you know aspire to be a professional athlete someday like you are. If you were talking to the young 14 or 15 year old kid who says, "Hey," Rance Ward, local professional boxer. I would want to be a professional boxer someday. What would you tell them to inspire them to, you know, keep pushing?
2: You could be anything you put your mind to. Hard work and dedication. Don't, don't let, don't never let nobody tell you what you can't be.
1: Yeah, that, that's great advice. And, and, um, who's, who's booking your fights? You know, who, who who's, like, give us a run there. You talk about your team. Who are those folks? Shout them out.
2: Oh, uh, i like to shout out my agent, Quintarius Queen, with uh, Clever Sports Entertainment. That's who booked, booked my fights. He, he done a tremendous job this time with this fight. Way tremendous job because it was booked on ESPN. i like to shout out my coaches, uh, Justin Martinez with Game Striker, Clarence Matthews, uh, that's Thibodeau's former boxer on PAP, and my new coach, Martin Burden. He's stepping in. Then I have my new cut man, Steven A. Bear. I have him on the side. And then we got uh the Jim Jeremy, McDowell, that's takers, that's downtown. And I like to shout out my sponsors. That's my uh Jeep Prince, Gerard Kennedy over on St. Charles Street. That's who do all my clothing, my merchandise, that's who make my shorts. I like to shout out Amos, trial lawyers, as Matt Ory. He's our new sponsor. My other sponsor, uh, Henson Felix He's a good one. Uh, and uh, Downtown Trisha
1: Very good. Well, look, brother. Thank you so much for the time. I know you're not feeling poorly, but we hope that you could, you know, continue to stay healthy through all this. And we look forward to seeing you in the ring very soon, brother.
2: All right. I, I, I'm we myself.
1: Yes, sir. Take care, my friend. You
2: too.
1: That was Rance Ward. We thank him so much for the time. So disappointed that we couldn't see him on ESPN, but other opportunities are going to come. We have no doubt he's going to get back out in that ring. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to fight the same fighter like he was looking forward to doing. But the most important thing is we hope Rance stays 100% healthy and uh, doesn't have any COVID symptoms at all. Let's catch a quick commercial break when we get back. We're going to talk about some COVID-19 numbers and take your questions. It's the Casey's Corner Podcast here on LaFoucheGazette.com hey guys I know it's a commercial break but it's me again but I want to tell you guys a big secret I know how you guys could get the news in LaFouche Paris the hottest news all the things that all your friends and all your family members are talking about first before everyone else how by getting the LaFouche Gazette app go to your app store get the LaFouche Gazette app today you'll get push notifications right to your phone anytime anything breaks anytime anything exciting happens anytime there's anything going on in LaFouche Paris that people are talking about we're going to be talking about it and we're going to send it right to your phone so go to the LaFouche Gazette app find it on your app store today download it 100% free 100% news 100% local 100% all the time download the LaFouche Gazette app today
2: darkness light will take you to the other side find me waiting there you'll see if you just close
1: your eyes, you close your eyes. we thank ranch ward for his time um, man a heart just breaks for ranch he was supposed to be fighting on national television on tuesday night Um, instead a positive COVID test and it just goes to show, I mean, you guys heard in the, in the interview, Rance doesn't sound sick, uh, but he was carrying apparently COVID with him. Um, and that's, that's the thing that they've been telling us from the very beginning. And every conspiracy theorist out there says it's all a big lie. Well, that's why we're still fighting this. That's why we're still in the situation that we're in. You're supposed to assume that you are positive at all times and take the precautions like you would be positive at all times. Rance Ward was walking around not realizing that he was carrying COVID. And, and you know, we're glad that he's okay, uh, but there are other people in other situations who will end up not being okay, um, you know, if there are more carriers and more people spreading this. So we certainly hope Rance gets okay. We hope that he is going to be back in the ring real soon. Um, but it's just a lesson to everybody, man, it, that COVID is not over. Uh, and we still got a long fight ahead of us. The state of Louisiana is reporting 58,095 total cases of COVID-19. 3,113 deaths have been reported because of COVID-19. Our recovery numbers are now uh, 42,225, so those numbers continue to go up. They're posted once a week on Monday. Lafourche Parish uh, their numbers have now eclipsed 1,100 in terms of COVID cases. I'll get you the specific number in a minute, but the number that I want to tell you guys is uh, Paris President Chasson has said that there are currently 218 active cases of COVID in Lafouche, uh, 71 in Northern Lafouche, 61 in Central Lafouche, 77 in South Lafouche, nine cases of unknown origin. So 71, 61, 77, uh, North, Central, South. Uh, it's pretty widespread. You know, there's no rock that you could hide under. There's no you know, place that you could go and definitively say that COVID is not here because it's all over the place. Now, have we made progress? You bet your patoot we've made progress, but have we given away some of our progress in the last couple of weeks? Well, unfortunately, you bet your patoot we have. Um, the numbers that we're continuing to track are hospitalizations and ventilators. And before we tell you that, Lafouche has now 1,149 COVID cases in the three months of this pandemic. Um, but back to the point at hand, hospitalizations and ventilator use are the numbers and the metrics that we're going to use and continue to use to track. Um, can we move forward? To track, can we, you know, continue to move forward in phases? And it's what we use to track whether we, you know, went from lockdown to phase one to phase two, and then, you know, we've come to a screeching halt since then. Um, our hospitalizations were once 2,100 plus patients in the hospital with COVID-19 ailments. That number is now 781. So, on one hand, from an outsider looking in, we could give a standing applause. You know, bravo! We've cut that number down by a third, um, by two thirds, and you know, it, it looks num- it looks beautiful. It's it's a, a nice, pretty number. It's under a thousand. Great. On the other hand, there's reality, which is that uh less than two weeks ago that number was in the 550s and it has since risen back into the 781 territory so if you're asking me why can't we move forward why can't we do phase three well we've not proven that we could successfully do phase two yet you remember the criteria for continuing to reopen is two straight weeks of hospitalizations dropping two straight weeks of percent positive in terms of the testing that you're doing dropping we are doing neither of the two right now. Our percent positives are rising, albeit slightly, but they're rising, and our hospitalizations are definitively rising. Um, so we're continuing to have issues and we're continuing to be stuck in phase two for the, an extended period of time. The state has ramped up its testing. Today we have added more than 1,000 new tests, but our percent positive was in the 4% range because we've added more than 20,000 tests to our total. Um, so that was good to see the percent positive rate drop a little bit. That was very good. Uh, hopefully it'll be a sign of greater things to come. Um, here's the, the soapbox I'm going to get on. And I'm going to rant about this. I'm going to get upset about this. I'm going to get angry and say things that I probably shouldn't say. Um, but the most frustrating thing about this is that everyone wants to take a simplify, or excuse me, a very complex problem like COVID-19, which is a national pandemic. And they want to simplify and water down the solution, and try to do the least amount of work possible to get out of this thing and get through to the other side. There is no one thing that we could blame for the the recent uptick. Um, you know, we can't just strictly as a society say, "Well, it's all because of them damn protesters." You know, we can't say that it's any one thing. We can't say, "Well." It's because you know we're not wearing masks. Only we can't say was well, because people are going to the beach. Only we all have to look ourselves in the mirror and accept some shared responsibility. Because all of the things that we're griping and bitching about, it is a is a little bit of all of those things. Yes, we should be wearing our masks more than what we are. The fact that I am continuing to on June the 30th after all of this time that I'm still having to babysit people through the process of wearing masks. That I'm still having to babysit people through the prospect of don't have large gatherings, be cautious. Like I get it, you're over it. I get it, it sucks. I get it, staying home is no fun. I get it, you know, being locked up, and I'm not even saying locked up, is. you don't have to be locked up. I get that, you know, not living your life to the fullest over the summer break is difficult, but you know what else is difficult? going back to phase one, being locked up and your business potentially shutting down because you're being an idiot. Um, If everybody would just buy in just a little bit more, everybody's inclination is not to do a little more, it's to do a little bit less. And that's the problem that we have right now. Everyone wants to figure out the easiest possible solution, the solution that'll inconvenience them the least. Well, we're in a tangled bed of weeds right now. This is a difficult situation. The solution and the way out of difficult situations or difficult decisions that'll have to be made. Maybe it's not, you know, going to the bar on that Saturday night. Maybe it's passing up that opportunity to go and drink with your friends. Maybe it's, you know, not going to this event that's going to have 400 people. Maybe it's not going to a business that no one is wearing a mask. But instead of taking that self responsibility and everybody taking a little bit of the burden, we're now getting lazy getting stagnant and getting content to try to just claim that this is fake i look at my social media wall from time to time based on COVID stories that we post and i'm disgusted by some of the commentary that i see everything that is posted people have an answer for it people have a conspiracy theory to attach to it oh my brother they put in uh people in the hospital those numbers are fake they juicing the books you know to try to get paid death numbers are not real you know every person that dies in louisiana they're saying it's a COVID death no no um i saw another one oh you know everybody that's testing positive they're testing them every day and all the tests are duplicates and the problem with all of these theories is that they're just that they're he said she said bs posted on facebook and folks let me please teach you a life lesson this is not that difficult for my generation to realize and understand Um, but for the older generation, the 50 somethings and the 60 somethings, they struggle with this more than I think my generation does. Not everything that you read on the internet is true. Let me repeat that. And and please let it sink in this time. Let it marinate. Not everything that you hear on the internet is true. So if you read a Facebook post from someone that claims that something is a certain way and the post reads something like this, um, uh, you know, I heard from a friend or I know from somebody you know that, that I'm related to or that I heard this or I know this for a fact. And 99% of the time, if those things are not coming from an official source, it's a lie and it's incorrect and it's false. So here's what I think we could all learn to do. And I'm, I don't mean this to self promote because I'm gonna go ahead and promote all the other um, local media as well. If it doesn't come from me, if it doesn't come from the Home of Times, if it doesn't come from the, the Daily Comet or Home of Today, if it doesn't come from HTV, if it doesn't come from WWL Channel 4, Channel 6, Channel 8, whatever it may be, then just don't listen to it. You could read it, you could you know form an opinion about it, but don't think that it's real unless if it comes from an official source. And if and I'll, I'll throw some other ones in there. Parish government, another official source. If it comes from them, it's fact, it's happening. LPSO, same thing. City of Thibodeau, uh, you know, Thibodeau police. Any official source, if you hear it from any of them, take it to the bank. It's happening. But if you hear it from he said, she said BS nonsense on Facebook from Joe Schmo who claims to have an uncle who saw this while he was in the hospital getting tested for COVID and he saw 10,000 patients in the lobby and they labeled all of them as positives before even testing them. That stuff is lies, that stuff is not real. That stuff is, like folks, you guys compliment me on my work all the time and I'm so appreciative of that. But do you guys really think that I don't follow up on some of these rumors that I see on Facebook, that I don't ask questions? And what what gets me and, and grates my nerves even more is that you guys will come up with these theories be disproven by a doctor or a nurse and then still not believe what you're being told by a medical professional. Somebody who is living it. Somebody who is helping people fight through this and is risking their own health to save lives. They're telling you that what you're saying is nonsense and you still don't believe it. You still choose to believe your uncle Frank who is always wrong, who's always posting false political theories on social media. You still choose to believe your friend Bob who knows nothing about the world but shares everything that he sees on Facebook that is of interest. You believe all this nonsense, and it creates rumors, it creates misinformation, and it's how conspiracy theories start. So just stop. If you don't hear it from me, if you don't hear it from another local media source, if you don't hear it from an official government agency, assume that it's false first. Assume that it's false first. Assume that it is a lie until it is proven to be truthful. And if you don't have any inclination about whether it's true or not, do what a lot of other people do. Send it to me, copy paste it, screenshot it, send me a message on Facebook, and ask me straight up, hey, is this real or not? I'll tell it to you like it is. If I don't know, I will make the commitment to find out. Because we would be so much better informed and in so much of a better place as a community, as a state, and as a country, if we would consume our news from the right places. Facebook is not a news source. Facebook was created to keep up with friends that you haven't seen in a while. And 99, not 99%, I shouldn't be that negative. 70% (laughs) not that that's much better 70% of the jargon that you read from unofficial sources is either a outright false b half truth or c so politically slanted that you're not seeing the woods through the trees um so please do me that favor and, and let's just go ahead and together be smarter about how we consume our news Okay, back on track. 781 patients are in hospitals, 83 on ventilators. Let's look at some region by region data, and then we'll kind of get to your questions, because we do have a COVID Q&A here in this segment that we want to get to. In region three, which is our region, we share that region with six other parishes. Our hospitalizations are actually doing okay. We're not seeing any drastic surge. Our numbers had increased to 20 hospitalized yesterday. But they've dropped back down to 17 today, and there are two patients on ventilators. So our numbers continue to be relatively steady. We've seen a little bit of an uptick, but nothing tremendous. Uh, no huge, you know, surge. No, you know, rush of 50 or 60 patients or anything like that. And I know that sounds dramatic to say, but look, in the early days, that's where we were. <laughs> We went from, you know having you know just a handful of patients in March to suddenly having 130 something patients in just a couple of days. So that's where we were. Um, so we're not seeing that same exponential growth. We're not seeing that quick rapid fire growth that we can't handle. And that's exactly what flattening the curve was all about. It was never about getting this down to zero cases. It was just about spreading the thing out a little bit. Now, I wish we would be spreading the thing out a little bit slower than what we are um, because cases are continuing to rise at a rapid rate and hospitalizations are on a little bit of an uptick, um, but it was never about getting down to zero cases. It was just about spreading the load out into the future so that our hospitals could stay in front of the patient demand. And in region three, at least we're doing that. Some other regions in the state, not as lucky. Katie Anna right now having big problems, big, big problems, uh, but we'll talk about that little bit later in the segment Uh, we talked about two patients on ventilators in our region Um, those are two out of just nine ventilators total that are in use so we've got seven patients who are who don't have covid who are on ventilators two of them um, who do have covid who are on ventilators that's a good ratio but again it just goes to show that man we've got to get healthy as a whole when we've got seven people more people um, by almost quadruple uh, on ventilators than what we have for the, the actual pandemic disease itself. Our ICU bedding, 37 in use, 54 available. Our region continues to set the standard. Our region, in terms of ICU bedding, we've always had more beds available than in use. We're doing a wonderful job staying ahead of the patient curve. Hospital bedding, it continues to be about 50-50, so we're doing an excellent job there. Um, so keep up the, the, the good work. We, we've, we've lost a little bit of our progress, but I think and I, I here's the thing, man. I, I really don't mean to to be so negative at times uh, towards people because I I do think that at the core everyone is 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 doing their best. I don't think that there's anybody who is intentionally doing negative things to others. I don't think anybody's intentionally making bad decisions. But I think that as a whole, we've just got to be smarter and let life slow down a little bit and and think about the decisions that we're making involving this because 99 times out of a hundred when life is normal, the decisions that we make only affect us. But with this, the decisions that we make affect us and then everyone that we come in contact with. So just be conscious of that and and try to be a better neighbor. Maybe if you look at it from that perspective in terms of the people that you may be impacting, maybe we'll have a better outcome. I, I certainly hope um what age groups have been impacted by this the most well now the 18 through 29 age group is going crazy uh they are seeing the overwhelming vast majority of cases are coming in our young people and uh i'll get personal here that this is this is the the listenership of this podcast primarily is younger people people 39 and younger and but heavily in that 18 through 29 age group get your act together man quit being stupid like, you don't have to go and get drunk with your buddies every single weekend, man. Uh, it, be smart, socially distance, you know, ha- go back to hanging out on Zoom. Um, you know, you don't have to do some of the things that you're doing. Be cautious. Bar rooms probably should be out of the equation, probably le- legally should be closed down. Every doctor that I've spoken to, every medical professional that I've spoken to, has said that's not safe. That's a place you probably shouldn't be. Uh, So be cautious, be wary of that, Um, and and just make the right decisions because while you guys are not going to have a negative outcome, we've only had 11 people die in the last three months in the 18 through 29 category uh, in more than 11,000 cases. So that's less than 1%, um, far less than 1%. um, While you may not die, you may carry it and give it to someone who will. Uh, so that's that's the word of caution that's the thing just be smarter make b- better choices make sounder decisions and, and we could get this thing out of the door we haven't given back all of our progress we've given back just a piece of our progress but you know we know that, that losses could be pretty quick and pretty sudden with this so we want to stay out in front and continue to do the right things so let's go ahead and get to our questions here and then we'll put a bow on what has been a wonderful show probably one of our best ones yet Uh, If you've got a question for me, JustClaireCasey at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook. Most of the people who listen follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Casey underscore Justclair. G-I-S-C-L-A-I-R. Find a way to get a hold of me. Uh, You go to LaFougeGazette.com. All my information that I just talked about is all there. I'm very responsive. If you've got a question, I'm going to get it answered. If I don't include it, in my list of podcast questions, I'll answer it in your email or in your Facebook message or whatever it may be. I'm gonna get you an answer. If I don't know, I'm gonna do my my damnedest to find out. Um, That's one of the things that I think has separated us uh, is we're very responsive. Uh, We don't look down on our readers like some of the other newspapers in the area do. Um, Believe me, I've been in some of those newsrooms. Uh, It's a different vibe. We we respect our readership and, and we trust that you guys are an educated audience are coming to us with things that are genuine concerns and we're gonna do the best that we can to get these things sorted out for you. So get a hold of me. Question number one, I've been asked this one a lot. Um, We're in phase two now, are we closer to being back in phase one or going up to phase three? That's a great question. That is a great, capital G, great question. Right now, as much as it pains me to say this, I think we're closer to phase one than phase three because to go to phase three, we have to meet certain criteria and we're not meeting any of them right now. We've got to be seeing our hospitals decreasing for two weeks straight. We're going up, so that ain't happening. We got to see our percent positive in terms of our testing go down for two weeks straight. That ain't happening. We're going up, so we're zero out of two. Now, do I think we're getting close to going back to phase one? No, I don't. But if you ask me today, you know, flip a coin, which one would be more likely? I think that it would be phase one, just based on what the numbers are right now, what the data is saying right now. Um, So I think we would be closer to phase one. Now with that having been said, before the numbers started trending in the wrong direction, whenever our hospitalizations were in the 550s, when our ventilator use had gotten into the 60s, that was all happening right before the decisions had to be made about phase three and we were really trending in a good direction for a lot of our time in phase two so that's why i'm so you know that's why i'm so um stubborn about warning you guys because i don't think this is a phase two problem like a lot of people are saying man we need to go back to phase one because we're not doing phase two so well i don't think that this is a phase two problem we did phase two effectively and dropped our numbers for three weeks before we had an issue. Um, so we did it effectively and proved we could do it effectively. I think the issues that we're seeing now is just that people are in phase 1000. People aren't following anything at all anymore. And I think that's where the issue lies. So if you ask me about um, you know, what we've gotta do going forward, that's what my, my advice and my suggestion, my suggestion would be. But if you ask me if we're closer to phase one or phase three, until we could meet any of the criteria that would put us in phase three, I got to say phase one. Um, but I think we're pretty firmly stuck in the mud of phase two right now. I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. Number two, do you support masking regulations being in place in Lafouche Parish? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the science shows that it's, it's a safer method. Um, And I know that you guys are all going to criticize that. You're going to have study after study that says that it's not effective. The reason why it's not effective is because not everyone is doing it. A mask doesn't protect you. It protects the person near you. So if you're next to a person who's unmasked, and then that person sneezes without a mask up in the air, your mask could still be penetrated and you could still get sick. But if you're both wearing masks, then your particles are not gonna be spread as far and as wide, and socially distancing will be far, far more effective. That's not just me saying that. That's not just me reading stuff on the internet. That's me speaking to doctors and nurses and people in the medical fields. Um, why do you think they wear them in, surgi- in you know, surgery rooms and in operating tables and in doctor's offices? It's because they work. It's because they protect you from getting germs. They protect you from, from spreading your germs to other people who are exposed. So, I support masking regulations. Now, I don't know that we've gotta start giving people tickets if they're not wearing one, um, but I support strongly urging people to, to follow the guidance because the guidance is coming from people far smarter than, than anyone listening to this, far smarter than, than myself, and, and if they're telling us that this is what we should be doing, then we should probably trust that and move forward because just doing whatever we want to do is what we've been doing for the last several weeks and we've proven that that doesn't work. We've proven that the method of going back to March mode where you just do whatever the hell you want, that doesn't work, we've proven that now twice. Uh, So follow the guidance, trust the guidance and we can get this thing out of here. Three, is Grand Isle closed this weekend for the 4th of July? No, it is not. and I don't think that it needs to be. And I say that reluctantly and cautiously. And, and I'll tell you why. I'm as anti big gathering as the next person. I'm as anti, you know, leave the house party time as the next person. I don't think those things are necessary. I don't think those things need to be happening right now. Um, but we did it successfully for Memorial Day without a big issue. So I'm confident that because it's outdoors, because. Um, hopefully there will be some common sense and some judgment used that it won't be too severe. But one thing that makes me more nervous about this than Memorial Day is those bar rooms are open now where they were closed before. And every study that you look at just says that going to a bar room right now is just such a bad idea. Um, in closed space, people talking and yelling and screaming, which releases particles far farther and far more frequently into the atmosphere. People drinking alcohol, which naturally lowers your immune system. People getting closer to one another, which is its just a recipe for COVID soup. And we've seen so many instances where clusters have formed because of parties and, and, and common gatherings at bars. It's just not a good idea. And if you're a bar owner, I'm not trying to put you out of business, man. I'm really not. Um, I love you guys. I love to spend time with you guys whenever things are normal but it's just not normal times right now, and, and it's, a, it's a segment of society that, in my opinion, should continue to be closed down. Four, what regions in the state have the most issues at time, at press time? I could tell you exactly. Um, Acadiana, far and away, the leader, their, their, their hospitalizations are spiking, man, it's, it's scary. Uh, June the 18th, 54 hospitalizations. Today, June the 30th, 124 So more than double in 12 days. I mean, they've got the worst curve in the state of Louisiana right now. Uh, Region one, New Orleans, they're doing fine. Region two, Baton Rouge, um, they're doing fine. Region three, us, we're doing fine. Region five, Southwest Louisiana, they're seeing an increase. That's the Lake Charles area. They're seeing a drastic increase. Region six, central Louisiana, increasing, but kinda plateauing. Uh, So hopefully they'll trend in the right direction. Region 7, Shreveport, Beaujah, they're on the rise. Region 8, Monroe, kind of plateauing. Uh, region 9, the North Shore, they're doing fine. Um, it's curious to me, like New Orleans, North Shore, and us, that's kind of that eastern portion of Louisiana. We're doing good, man. And that's also what's so surprising to me, and maybe makes, makes me believe that there's maybe some herd immunity involved. That's also the area of the state that has the largest Mardi Gras celebrations. So we may have been in that February time frame. We have, may have been most affected by this, that we didn't realize that we were affected by this. But Lafayette, they're, they're setting the the standard right now for all the wrong reasons. They're being hit very hard by COVID. Number five, does Louisiana have travel restrictions on people from any other states? They got family looking to come in from other areas. Not that I'm aware. We're not currently banning anybody. Um, and kudos to Governor Edwards and his team for not banning anybody because it's, it's stupid legislation. Like New York City, uh, they're banning, saying that residents from 20 states got to quarantine for 14 days. A, it, it, your, your grain stand, well, first off, New York City's governor is, is a, I'm not going to say what I want to say, but for him to preach to anyone about ha- how to handle this pandemic after what he did to the elderly, sticking them in nursing homes to die. Uh, that should have been a criminal offense, but that's another argument for another day. He has proven himself incompetent to lead that office in that state. Uh, but again, another argument for another day. Um, but legislation like that, it, it's it's stupid. It's just making a political statement just for the sake of making a political statement. None of the states that had those restrictions um, had ever enforced them. Like there's not armed guards at the border, you know, checking license plates and IDs. You could come and go as you please. Even when Florida had their restriction on Louisiana ra- uh, natives, people from Louisiana still went to the Florida beaches. Now, there were some condo owners that were canceling you know, reservations from Louisiana people and being cautious, but there were others who went and that's the thing about legislation like that is it's impossible to enforce you're just making a statement just for the sake of making a statement and looking pretty but if you don't have a plan to enforcement enforce it then it's just idle air and just a waste of space so louisiana doesn't have travel restrictions on anyone and nor should they uh because it's impossible to enforce you're not going to have policemen up and down the louisiana border guarding our border that's ridiculous um, so, no, we don't have travel restrictions, nor should we have travel restrictions on people from other states. Number six, how bad do you think this will get post-July 4th? I touched on that a minute ago. Cautiously optimistic. We did it for Memorial Day. I, I, I'm hopeful we could do it again. Um, but those damn bar rooms got me nervous, man. That, that's, that's kind of the, the, the fly in the ointment, so to speak. Um, we'll see. Number seven, Last question, then we'll wrap up. Where are the new Lafouche Parish cases coming from? Um, as we said earlier in the segment, it's mostly spread out. But in the last few days, it's been very heavily northern Lafourche. 60-plus uh, percent of the cases in the last 48 hours have been northern Lafouche. So I don't know if there was some type of cluster there. Um, but we'll keep our eye on it. Parish President Chasson, God bless him. He sends us the numbers daily separated from area in the parish. We're studying the data every day. But active cases right now, it's about 50-50, you know, north, south, uh, central. We're we're splitting them pretty much even. Thank you guys for the questions, justclarecasey at gmail.com. We're going to kind of put a pin in it right here. It's been a long show. Uh, We're going to be back over the weekend. We're going to have some some special guests on. We're going to continue to keep this thing rolling. Find us on iTunes. Um, Everybody tells us the same thing. They don't realize or understand how convenient it is, how easy it is. And once you subscribe, it's all over with, you don't have to do anything else at that point. We're going to continue to have the guests on that are people that you want to hear. Uh, you know, as we get closer to school starting, we're going to maybe have Mr. Martin back on, uh, as we get, you know, closer to the peak of hurricane season, we maybe have Wendell Curall back on with the levee district, or maybe, you know, parish president Chasson back on with parish government. Um, The people that you guys need to hear from, we're going to bring them to your living room. And the easiest way for us to reach you is if you subscribe on iTunes. Uh, We're going to continue to cover the sports, top to bottom as well. Have coaches, athletes, everybody. We're going to cover that like a blanket. We're going to assume that things are going to go off in the spring without a hitch. I don't know that that's exactly the case. But we're going to make that assumption until we're told otherwise. Um, So thanks for listening. You guys have a wonderful rest of the week. We will do a show over the weekend to celebrate Independence Day. Um, we've got some things planned for that. Um, but uh, have a great rest of the week. Be safe. Let's end the weekend in, in style. And let's look forward to doing the show on the weekend to celebrate some of the less numbers that we have in the state. Adios, amigo. Have a great rest of the week. Keep it on LaFujaGazette.com. We'll be back over the weekend. <laughs>